I want to share with you, we're going to finish out the talk on the hill today, the Sermon on the Mount. It's been a wonderful series. I've really loved it. And I could go on and on with this series, but I'm going to close it out today. And I'm going to talk to you about two roads. Two roads. Jesus closed out the Sermon on the Mount talking about two roads from which to choose in life. The broad and the narrow way. And I want to ask you a question. Which road are you on? Which road are you on today? Let's look at it. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13 through 23, you can enter into God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Isn't that a strange saying? Then Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but they are actually vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No, of course not. You can't. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is what, everyone? Chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not their words, but their actions. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today, and we pray that you would bless it to our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Now, will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, turn to your neighbor and tell them, which road are you on? I tell you, I love the words of Jesus, and I can't tell you how many people have come up to me after these uh, messages and said, you know, I've never heard that. I've never heard that. And I find it amazing. We've never heard the words of Jesus in church. But, you know, we need to know very well what he said. And, you know, my vision, I, I'm going to tell you my vision. My vision is to see this whole city shaken for God. My vision is to see Jesus famous again. I want to see Jesus on the lips of every person. I want to hear people talking about Jesus. I want to hear them talking about how we keep talking about Jesus. I'm not here for religion. I'm here for Jesus. I'm not here to lift up a religious uh, philosophical worldview. I'm here to preach Jesus. Uh, religion didn't save me. Jesus did. Religion didn't give me wisdom for living. Jesus did. Religion didn't set me free. Jesus did. And so we need to be talking up Jesus and talking down the devil. Uh, Jesus needs to be on our lips, everybody. We're Jesus people. Jesus is the greatest philosopher that ever lived. I've read most of them. I don't know everything, but I've read most philosophers. And I can tell you nobody holds a candle to Jesus Christ. 
He's the greatest mind that ever lived. He has answers for life. In every vista and issue of life, Jesus has spoken. And as we come to the close of his talk on the hill, his sermon on the mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus informs us that there are two gateways and two roads that the gateways lead to. There are two gates, and those gates lead to two roads. And Jesus said, this is what life comes down to. You have two gates, two doorways, and two roads. And he described them. He said, there is a broad gate. It's wide. And that broad gate, Jesus said, leads down a wide road. And the narrow gate leads down a challenging or a difficult road. Jesus told us the truth. The wide road, Jesus said, leads to destruction every time. The wide road, the most appealing road, leads to destruction. The narrow road, Jesus said, leads to life. There's not a multitude of them. There's only two. The wide road, the narrow road. The wide road of destruction is the one most traveled. Jesus said, many go that way. It looks like the natural road, the reasonable road, the easiest road. The narrow road, according to Jesus, has very few travelers in comparison to the wide road. Few travelers down that narrow road, Jesus said there are few that find it. And the reason few find it is because few go through the gate that leads to it. Wide gate, narrow gate, wide road, narrow road. Jesus said the highway to hell is broad. Notice Jesus said there was a hell. I said Jesus said there was a hell. If Jesus said there was a place called hell, I would pay real close attention to it. Jesus said the highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide. Wide enough for all the multitudes who choose its easy way. But the narrow gate, the gateway to life is small and the road is narrow. And only a few ever find it. Now notice that Jesus narrowed down our choices in life. He didn't say there was a multitude of them. He said our choices, our primary choices are two in terms of ultimate direction. In terms of the ultimate way your life goes, there's only two choices. There is a wide way and there's a narrow way. There are not multitudes of options. There are not a million ways to God. There's one way away from God and there's one way to God. The wide gate takes you away. The narrow road takes you to him. You can choose the broad gate or the narrow. The broad gate is doing whatever you want to do. That's what the broad gate is. It is doing whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, according to the promptings of your own nature. That's the broad road. That's the broad gate. Doing what you want to do. It's living with no view of or obedience to God. The narrow way is the way of obedience. And it begins by putting your faith in a person called Jesus. Nobody gave his life for you but Jesus. 
I'm going to be blunt today. Mohammed didn't die for you. Buddha didn't die for you. Zoroaster didn't die for you. Confucius didn't die for you. There's only one in history who said, I came to die for your sins. One in history who said, I came to deliver you from the clutches of the evil one. Only one in history who came and said, I am here to die for your sins and then to take you to a place called heaven. I am here to deliver you from certain destruction. His name is Jesus. There is none other. There is not another. His name is Jesus. And I want you to be very cognizant of something today. Let's just imagine that there are two doors right here, two doors facing you. Imagine two doors. On the front of one door, there is a message written on it. And the message on the front of the first door says, live any way you want. Live any way you want. Enter if you will. That's the first door. The second door says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. One door, a second door. Live any way you want, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And so we walk through those doors. As we walk through the first door that says, live any way you want, if that's the way you want it, enter. As we go through that door and walk around and shut the door, we see a message inscribed on the other side. And the message says, I forgot to tell you, this road leads to destruction. As we walk through the second door, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed on him would not perish but have everlasting life. As we go through that second door and we shut it, we see a message on the other side. You have chosen the road to life. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's the funny thing about these two roads and these two gates because, you know, the wide road is for sure the most appealing the wide road to the natural eye makes the most sense. It looks like it's the freest. It looks like it has the most opportunity. It looks like that which is the most fun. It looks like that's the road where I'm going to have the fullest life, where I'm not going to be restricted or constricted by religion. It is a deceptive road. But it's certainly the most appealing. It looks like it has the most options for me. But as you go down that wide road, you'll notice there are many side roads in the wide road. So let's just say we walk through that first door and there is this wide road filled with laughing, happy people. It looks like a circus. It looks like a blast. But as we begin to go down the wide road, we see little side streets. And one of them says, Materialism Boulevard. And we say, well, that looks appealing to me because as I look down that street, I see huge homes. I see lavish clothes. I see money and riches and jewels and all kinds of things that glitter and glisten in my eyes. And I say, that's the road I'm going to go down. That's the road I'm going to give my life for, materialism. 
But if materialism doesn't appeal to you and you keep walking down the wide road, you'll see another one. And here's what it says, Addiction Street. There is Addiction Street, and Addiction Street is so appealing because on Addiction Street, our emotions and the shouts and cries of a protesting conscience are numbed by substances. Addiction Street. It's amazing when you look down Addiction Street, which is right off the wide road, because as you look down it, you see very few return who at first went down that road. But that road appeals, and many, many, many go down that road, and they become addicted to alcohol or addicted to drugs, addicted to something that ruins their life. They think going down the wide road, that road looks good. But they all lead to the same place. No matter what road you go down, it's still a part of the wide road, the wide road that leads to destruction. And there's another road, if you'll keep walking, and it's called false hope. Let's go down false hope drive. And as you go down false hope drive, you find religions and cults and philosophies that stand up against Christianity and say, you don't have to be a Christian. Here's a way. And you put your hope in something false. You put your hope in something wrong. You put your hope in something that at the end of your days leaves you with sand sifting through your fingers. Your mouth is dry and parched. And what you thought was going to take care of you and your spiritual needs and the ultimate answers to life did not do it. False hope drive. But if you keep walking, there's one more. I could mention a bunch of them, but let's try the fool's highway. The fool's highway is for those who say there is no God. Fool's Highway is a road that has become very popular in our day. Several best-selling books have come out talking about how there is no God, how all faith is wrong. They have slammed Christianity, slammed faith in Jesus Christ, slammed Christians, mocked the church. But the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's a fool's highway. Listen, you know there's a God. If you think you're an atheist today or listening by radio and you are priding yourself on being an atheist, let me tell you something. You know there's a God. You know there is. The fool's highway leads to a dead end. All of these roads off the wide road lead to a dead end. The wide road leads, Jesus said, to destruction. No matter which road you walk down, while you're walking down the wide road, they're all going to return to the same place. Every side street leads back to the wide road, and the wide road leads to an abyss. Jesus said you will come to the end of your days, and you will realize you chose the wrong road. Hopefully you'll realize it before your heart stops and before you die and leave this planet. Because as long as you're alive on the wide road, there is chance, there's a hope, there is an opportunity for you to turn. And, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I think somebody's hearing me today. I want you to understand, we got to get back to the Christianity the Bible preaches. 
thank God that while you're walking down the wide road, God will send a messenger every once in a while who'll tap you on the shoulder and say, do you, are you sure about where you're going? Have you thought about where you're headed? Do you know what you're doing to your life? Well, then what's the answer? It's not too late for you. You can get off the wide road and get on the narrow road. How can I do that? His name is Jesus. Call on his name and he'll allow you to go back and walk through the right door. Now, the gates that Jesus mentioned are really two persons. The wide gate is the devil, who Jesus called a thief. He stands at the beginning of the wide road, and he tries to convince you that the way to live life is to do it your way. The devil is the gate who stands at the mouth of the wide road. He is convincing. He's persuasive. He is mesmerizing. He is seductive. He's alluring. And he stands at the mouth of the wide road and he says, you don't need that Christian stuff. You don't need that faith stuff. It's all a bunch of hooey. Why don't you just walk down the wide road and live life the way that you want to? Jesus called him a liar. He called him a thief. He called him a murderer. He murders and he steals and he lies to people to keep them on the wide road where they will certainly be destroyed. He says to you, do what you want. Don't mind God. You're the captain of your ship. You're the master of your own destiny. Forget about him. Live the way you want. And many listen to that and go the way he suggests. Their narrow gate is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said, I am the door." If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I'm the door. I'm the gate. I'm the gateway to the road of life. If you come through me, I'll put you on the narrow road that though it looks narrow, the longer you walk down it, the more free you become. But the longer you walk down the broad road, the more constricted and bound you become. Jesus is the door. And that's what this incredible talk on the hill has been all about the total superiority of Jesus' way compared to all other ways. Amen. Amen. Jesus has taught us how to live free of anger, free of contempt for other people, free from runaway lust, free from tormenting worry. He has shown us how to make him our greatest treasure and how to obtain treasure that can never be stolen from us. That sounds like pretty good teaching to me. He's counseled us how to treat others as we would have them treat us. And he's counseled us and taught us how to treat others in a way that will make them want to come to our God. If we do what he said, walking down that narrow road of obedience and fidelity to him, the floods, the winds, and the storms of life will not crash our house. He taught us that if we will follow his teachings, our house, that is our life, will not crash. Indestructible. His teachings are sealed with a satisfaction or money-back guarantee. If you follow his teachings... You will walk in freedom. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free.
Now, before I go on with this message, I want to ask you a million-dollar question. Which road have you chosen? Because which road you choose is the number one most important question in all of life. Which road will you go down? Which gate will you walk through? Because if you choose the wide gate and the wide road, every decision you make will be subservient to that initial primary decision. Every decision you make after that will serve that one decision. If you go through the narrow gate and enter the narrow road that leads to life, every decision you make after that will serve that initial decision. The most important question you will ever ask is what road am I walking down? Am I walking down the narrow road that leads to life? Or am I walking down the broad road thinking God doesn't care, God doesn't see me, or God doesn't matter? Are you walking down that road? Because if you are, the day will come when you regret that decision according to Jesus Christ himself. Life, all the rest of your life will be affected by which road you walk down. Think about it. Which road are you walking down? Nobody knows better than you. Nobody knows better than you which road you're traveling, which road has your footprints, which road has your eye, which road has your heart. Now, having said all that and being very clear with us in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is the door that leads to the narrow road that leads to life, Jesus now closes out his talk by addressing the subject of imposters who claim to be travelers down the narrow road. They claim to have chosen the narrow road, but they never really have. So Jesus is talking about perils in the road. And he's going to show us that there are perils on that narrow road that leads to life, that you and I will have visitors who will come up to us on that narrow road and they will say to you, I'm also a narrow road traveler, but in fact, they are not. They are imposters. They are the great pretenders. They don't know Jesus because at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, there will be those who say in that day of judgment, Lord, Lord, didn't we do works in your name? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we heal the sick? Didn't we do many wonderful things in your name? And he will look at them and say, depart from me. I never, ever knew you. You were never truly a traveler down that narrow road. You were a great pretender, and the churches are full of great pretenders. Can I meddle a little bit today? Just because you walk into a building doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you sing a hymn doesn't mean you're saved. Jesus said you must be born again, or you will never see, never set your eyes on the kingdom of God. Jesus said there will be great pretenders. The, the shaft will grow up right next to the wheat. It looks real, sounds real, but there's been no heart change. There's been no change. And I'll tell you, one of the things wrong with our country is nobody's preaching this anymore. Jesus called them these, these wonderful, flowery adjectives, false prophets, ravening wolves, bad fruit, those who never knew him. He warned those of us who have truly chosen the narrow road to be on the lookout for him. He said, beware, because they'll walk up to you on the narrow road. 
just like Christians walk up to people on the wide road. They'll walk up to you on the narrow road. And they've got an agenda. They've got a motive. And Jesus said, be careful, watch out, beware, look out for them. These great pretenders have not chosen Jesus or his way. And they have made you the target of their plans and schemes and plots. And what is their plan and scheme and plot? To overthrow you in your walk down the narrow road, to confuse you, to ruin and sabotage your fruitfulness, to make you doubt God, to pull you away from Jesus, if possible. Jesus said, deceiving the very elect. Jesus called them liars, thieves, murderers, and burglars. Since Jesus called them false prophets, then we know this about them. Their modus operandi, their approach is via teaching. False prophets say things. They teach. And they're on the television screen and they're on the radio and they're in print and they're all around us. We live in a deceptive day filled with false prophets, false messiahs, false teachers. And Jesus said, as you travel down that narrow road, watch out for them. They appear to be one of you, and that's why Jesus said they wear sheep's clothing and they say, bye. But in every way that they live and think, it is not like you. They have not known him. They have not known the Christ. I know this is a heavy word, but man, we need to hear this today. They appear to be one of you, but inside their heart, they are ravening wolves, and a ravening wolf is after one thing, a meal. And the meal of the false prophet is the precious child of God. That's the false prophet's meal. They're ravening, hungry, and they're out for the church. And we're going to have to get smarter. We're going to have to put on our discerning antenna. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. This is in the Talk on the Hill. You see, every single day that you live in America, you're being approached by false voices, false messages, false teachers, false ways, false options, and false messiahs. It's about time the church figured out who we were and who we worship. Listen to Peter's words of warning here. Quote, there will appear false teachers among you. They will cleverly tell their lies about God, turning against even Christ who bought them. Many will follow their evil teaching that there is nothing wrong with sexual sin. Did you know that Peter said that? He's talking about hedonists here. He's talking about people who go out there and say, there is nothing wrong with sexual sin. There is nothing wrong with immorality. There is nothing wrong with doing what you want to do with your sexuality. That's one of the messages of false prophets. And I want to ask you a question. Have you heard one of those voices lately? Ooh, Pastor Jeff, you go talking about sex, I don't know what to say. I don't want to amen you. Let's everybody look at me and wonder why I amen so loud. <laughs> There's one brave soul. Amen. Now get this, not just sexual sin, 
But these teachers, Peter goes on to say, will tell you anything to get hold of your money. Where'd you get that, Pastor Jeff? I got that out of 2 Peter 2, verses 1 and 2. What do false prophets teach? Anything to get your money. What do they teach? Anything to get you in different people's beds. We're going to have to edit out this heavy clapping, TJ. Oh, that's the spirit of our day. It's the spirit of the age. And if you happen to be a moral person who believes in Bible morals, which is that sex before marriage is a sin, it's called fornication. Well, that's an old-fashioned word, Pastor Jeff. You need to get more modern. I can't get any more modern than the Word of God. It'll save you many a heartache. Now, Paul continuously worried about the wolves on the road, and here's what he wrote to the church. He said, quote, but I'm frightened. This is Paul. I'm frightened, fearing that in some way you will be led away from your pure and simple devotion to our Lord, just as Eve was deceived by Satan in the Garden of Eden. Then he adds, listen to what he says to his church, you seem so gullible. You believe whatever anyone tells you, even if he's preaching another Jesus than the one we preach or a different spirit than the Holy Spirit you received or shows you a different way to be saved. You swallow it all. That's to the Corinthians. He's saying, quit being so gullible. If it's not the Jesus you have been preached that's been preached to you, if it's not the Holy Ghost you received, if it's not the Word of God that you've got right in your hand and it can't line up with that, then get smart, get quick, have a response. Say, that's not for me. I don't want to hear you. I'm out of here, Jack. See you later. And don't come back. Now, people who make fun of this word, let me tell you something. You will laugh last because this is the word of God and it will tell you how to live and it will tell you how to be victorious and it will tell you how to be saved. It will tell you how to please God. It'll tell you about your enemy. It'll tell you how to get out of traps. It'll tell you how to walk clean. It'll teach you how to live a life that gets you to the gates of glory. This word right here. So there are and will be more wolves on the narrow road targeting God's children. That means you. So how in the world do you spot a wolf? How do you know that a wolf is a wolf? I'm sitting here talking about false prophets, false teachers. How can you spot a wolf? Anybody want to know how to spot a wolf? Because, oh, they look so good. They come over so good. Smooth as silk. Silver tongues. How do you spot a wolf? Jesus told us. He said, you can detect them by the way they act, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit. Now, notice he didn't say you will detect them by what they say. He said you will detect them by the way they act. 
Every good tree produces delicious, edible, nutritious fruit. Isn't that true? But a bad tree produces rotten, inedible, useless fruit. Jesus said a good tree cannot produce rotted fruit. And a rotted tree where the root is bad can't produce edible fruit. It's impossible. Now he's giving us an illustration and I'm going to close with this. It's not just words you judge a life by, but it's how they live. It's their lifestyle. If it falls in line with Jesus' teachings. I don't mean are they living perfectly. I mean are they obviously and apparently trying to walk according to the teachings of Jesus? Just because they're charismatic or mesmerizing or good speakers doesn't mean anything. How do they live? If the wolf in question, if the wolf you're wondering about, if you're wondering if they are a wolf, if they are a spiritual leader, what kind of fruit do you see being produced in their ministry? Is there joy? Is there victory? Is there godly living? Is there peace? Is there Christ-likeness? Do you see joy and peace and, and the fruit of the Spirit being birthed in that congregation? Or is it producing ungodly lifestyles, bondage, discord, carnality, and confusion? You just, you're supposed to be a fruit picker. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, I can't judge. We're not supposed to judge anything. Oh, hogwash. You better start judging stuff. Say with me, hogwash. That's the closest we'll get to cussing in this church. But watch this. Of course you've got to judge. How are you going to avoid danger if you don't judge? So if I hear somebody teaching what I know is against the word of God, I pick that fruit. If I see somebody out there living a totally ungodly lifestyle, but they're professing the name of Christ, I pick that fruit. Don't be gullible. Don't take in everything that comes along. Look for the fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, lifting up Jesus Christ, living for him, crucifying the flesh. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. And then he closed out his message. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise person who builds his house on a rock and the rains fall and the winds blow and the floods come and they pound that house, but it does not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. What was the rock? His teaching. But whoever hears these sayings of mine, amen, good word, Pastor Jeff, that was great. Slap me on the back. They walk out and they don't live it at all. I will liken him unto a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the floods came. They always do. The wind blew. It always does. And the, the rain fell on that house, the rains of trouble and the rains of trial. And it fell. And great was the fall of it because it was built on sand and not on the rock. So Jesus is not just our Savior. He's our teacher. He's our teacher. And if we will do what he said, can we stand together?
if we will do what he said, our lives are built on a foundation of cement. Isn't that wonderful? I was watching these terrible floods that have struck, I guess it was uh, Idaho, Iowa. And here's, yeah, Idaho, not Idaho, but Iowa. And here's homes just floating away. Semi-trucks floating down the street. People carrying everything they could grab, their pets. That's what I would have. I'd have my little dog. Kathy would be carrying the other one. I'd have my little dog. It's okay, Ollie. We're built on a rock. But got their pets and they're fleeing. And in a flash, they've left and lost everything. Then Kathy got a picture out of the paper yesterday. Most incredible picture of a tornado I've ever seen. Unbelievable. Just a few feet away from the person that took the picture, swooping down on a house. And in a flash, everything was gone. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have tribulation. Storms will come. But after the tornado passes, lo and behold, your house is still there. And they'll be chasing other houses down the street. Yours is still there. And you're still praising God, still in church, still in prayer, still in the Word. (coughs) Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, for this incredible teaching you gave us on the talk on the hill, the Sermon on the Mount, and how to deal with the major issues of life. And we pray... Help us, Lord, to be wise, discerning, not gullible to false prophets, false teaching, false messages, and false messiahs. But, Lord, to walk down that narrow road safely. Now, I want you to breathe a prayer before we close today. And I want you to ask God to protect you from deception. I'm serious. To protect you and your household from deception. Would you breathe that prayer as we just worship a moment before we go?